Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. This is another episode with Rich and Eliza. This one is about how we get in our own way in some ways. And and we are calling this one safeguards and scapegoats because they can be one in the same if we're not careful. We really try and create a system, a balance, a method to how we operate the manner in which we think we're going to scale, how we are going to achieve our revenue goals and all these different things. But what happens is it also can diminish our returns by having too much in place. So we go through this discussion, literally examining, you know, the pros and cons of having a strict approach and how if you're too loose, it can also have an adverse effect. So This is literally the game. This is entrepreneurship, which is trying to find a balance between exactly what you want and how to do things and giving a little bit of room for some of it to happen on its own. So please enjoy this episode. It's sponsored by Rich Cardona Media, of course, where we film, edit, distribute, help create content for you, video content, especially for LinkedIn, because I know you don't have the time. So let's listen in and here we go. So safeguards and scapegoats. Yeah. What what triggered this thought? By the way, I never even asked you that. Yeah. Well, what's, what triggered the thought was I was thinking about all the different companies that you and I, you know, interact with and, and support, as well as all the different experiences that you and I've had collectively. Like you've been in the military. I've served all these different types of organizations, you know, from Fortune 100 on down. And then, you know, how many of these organizations that we've been a part of that we've struggled with navigating bureaucracy, right? And the bureaucracy itself has been intentional to help people navigate like a policy, like a policy has been enacted to make it clearer so that you can move forward. But the policy itself becomes a scapegoat, Mm -hmm. right? And it's an obstacle to either productivity or um, morale or all these other things because it adds so much slack to, you know, your end goal or your deliverable or, you know, project deadlines and things like that. Talk to me about Slack really quick for for those listeners like that. that, Not the platform. (laughs) Yes, exactly. When, when I, it was Craig Groeschel, is that his name? Yep. When you put me on his podcast uh, last year and and they were talking about Slack, I felt like a complete imbecile because I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, well, like I get this, this, and this, yep. but what do you mean by Slack? Slack is anytime you, um, you know, take an action and then you start parsing it out to your team, you have to build in additional buffer in your timeline for it to turn around because it's like a giant game of telephone, right? So by the end, it, it, it can be very close to what you want it to be if your your process is super airtight, or it can be like drastically different from your desired end state because either it wasn't communicated correctly on the front end or so forth. Slack is the time it takes to get from point A to point B and like the extra buffer time in that process. For some some companies, there's just so much Slack built in and that's lost time and revenue. Sure. Yeah. So the goal is to always keep that really, really tiny, uh, the, t- the percentage of your Slack, to keep it really, really tiny. It, it, the goal is non-existent, but it's just inevitable. It's the human condition of trying to understand and contextualize the action required. So... What you're saying is, you know, initially as a safeguard, mm-hmm. this is something built in to enhance efficiency, but it actually ends up doing the converse. Yeah, it's like death by meeting, right? 
Yes. So you have an action, right? We have a goal. We have something that we're trying to achieve. So we have the first meeting with all the stakeholders. And then the action takers, they leave and they have a secondary meeting. Okay, now how are we going to give this thing legs and put it put a plan in place, right? And then it goes one step even further to the actual implementers, right? Like the IT people or the actual creatives or whatever. And then they have to reverse engineer and upward you know, upward communicate all those different elements back up to the original stakeholders. So now from one original action, depending on how many levels deep in the organization that you have, there's six meetings, if not more, depending on the timelines and so forth and and the scope. So yeah, that's how it happens. And that's how things balloon out of control very, very quickly, because either the goal of the deliverable was unclear or how to achieve it was unclear, or you have people, the wrong people at the table. I, I think I'm thinking back to situations I was in where the, the slack was wildly tangible. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily leaders who began to use it as a scapegoat. Yeah. It became the people who were in the middle of it. Right. So I would be like, you wanted this, but I have to do this. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. Mm-hmm. Almost in, no, it was combative. I was pretty combative. Um, you know, so it doesn't start with the people who enacted it, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. It actually happens, come on, man, like, it, we're, we're not naming names, but we've had to deal with that recently. Yep. And it's just like, it fucking makes things go off the wheels. Yeah. And then that becomes a scapegoat, right? So, it, you know, not for us, but you can say, well, hey, this, you know, objective wasn't achieved because X and Y and Z. We had, you know, 32 meetings in eight weeks and we spent however many, you know, hours in those meetings. I mean, if you really calculate it out, I remember I did this actual exercise where I took one project that I was a part of and I calculated how many of the stakeholders were executives, how many were directors, and then how many were like middle management and below in execution. I took an average of all their salaries and I actually calculated how many meetings that we sat in to get this project from point A to point B and then from point A to point Z. And then you extrapolate it out. It was literally almost like six figures just in the meeting time, not in the actual production cost. So, I mean, you scale that down for a small to medium company, you know, that has, you know, just a handful of employees that, I mean, that can eat into your your revenue line really, really quickly or, or your budget lines. So there's all different ways that you can really explore that and look at it. But the bottom line is for you and I, for example, we work to be very crystal clear up front on what the standards are. And it, we, I think people tend to overcomplicate things, you know, yeah, but... It does make us wonder, though, are we not communicating right. this well? Because yeah. we've spent large amounts of time mm-hmm. trying to be like, this This is bulletproof. This makes complete sense. Yeah. Or we need to add that to onboarding. Now we have yeah. all our ducks in a row. Yeah. So, yes, so, go ahead. So, but that's, that's the idea of like, is it a safeguard or is it a scapegoat? Yeah. Because we want to protect ourselves yes. or because it's an essential part of our production. Yeah. So I, th- I think there's a lot of things when you translate that, not just in what we do, but for other, you know, startups or things, those are considerations to make are like, what are the things that are critical to remove the obstacles versus what are the things that are obstacles to executing your desired end state or to achieving it? And that's the thing I think that's important to just keep in mind for, you know, entrepreneurs, professionals in general of, hey, what are what is the spirit of law versus the letter of the law, right? Like what's a policy that we need to make sure that every single time, no matter what, this is non-negotiable versus, hey, you know what, for this particular project, we want you to take this route. Don't worry about anything else. Just get it done. 
I think there's like an element of bracketing that takes place there where you can overcompensate in one direction because you were not rigid enough and you were following the spirit of the law that you create the letter of the law. And you're just like, from now on, I've done that. Come on, man. So you're like this, this, and this, and I want to hear from this anytime this happens. And the next thing you know, it's, it's, it's so cumbersome. It's Mm -hmm. an inhibitor, Mm -hmm. which brings me to, if you're a small business and you're sitting at this meeting Everything's a priority if you're a small business and you're a startup or, you know, year one, year two. And everyone's an executive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So no matter how much you're winning or how much you're failing, it's, it's going to feel like everything's a priority. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if we go into a meeting about this goal or this action or this thing that we got to get carried out in addition to everything else, and we go balls deep in it, and it's just, it's just cumbersome by the activity and the length of the meeting or the number of meetings we might misjudge that for being the most important thing. Yeah. And that's when it's a safeguard for you missing the basics. Yeah. Which has happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. You're missing the forest for the trees, right? You have this like disorientation of what you're trying to achieve because you're, you know, either focused on too big of a picture and then you're unclear uh, or you're focused too narrowly on the small little thing without remembering that there's a whole other world that happens uh, in order to achieve it. What are preventative measures mm-hmm. that can help us drive fluidly towards that place where we all want to be and we're not going to lose people along the way because of the stupidity involved with incorporating too much? Yeah. I think the, the best thing that we can be is ultra clear on what we want to achieve, right? Like you, if you have a basic understanding of what your systems and processes are, like you should also know to some degree how something should get accomplished without being in the details or in the weeds, right? So I should be able to say to, in our instance here, uh, to a creative, like produce XYZ videos. This is the standard. Execute however you want, but you know our turnaround times and you know what it should look like. Do it however you see fit. I'm not going to be in the weeds sitting beside them, making sure it's edited properly. I want to see the end results and make sure it matches up with what our desired end state is. So I think part of it is being able to relinquish and trust your team to execute well. And I think the other thing is that also probably highlights how closely do you communicate with your team so that they can envision how you see it, right? Because if you are, you know, kind of hands off with your team, you're not really in the weeds with them periodically to understand how they operate and they understand how you operate, then they're probably going to have to have a lot of clarification along the way, right? I think this is what he means. Let's try this. Let's get it 70% of the way and then hope that he's like, nope, scrap the whole thing. So I think part of it is being laser focused on what you want to achieve, having a real true understanding of your team, which means your hiring processes have to be on point, your relationship with your team has to be on point, and your standards for interacting with them have to be on point. And then also just, you know, communicating effectively and having a standard for what communication should look like across your team. I think that is the difference between buy-in and just being out to lunch. Right. I think that is the biggest factor. I had stuff in mind that I wanted to say, but you essentially covered it. But <laughs> if they can't repeat it to you, then that's it's, right. it's game over yep. for sure. And that's why, oh man, that's why when we would do, you know, five paragraph orders and, and the lieutenant when I was a grunt would just like pass all this down. And there had to be the assurance that at the most unbelievably fundamental levels that the private or the PFC understood exactly what was going to happen. It was an incredible amount of information, but... In actuality, it was actually dumbed down from a different level that he got it from. But do we know? Do we know the commander's intent? Do we know what it means to accomplish the mission, et cetera, et cetera? 
I really hope you guys enjoy uh, hearing Eliza and I. There's nothing unique about that conversation to me because that is how it is all the time whenever we're in person together. So if you got anything from it, uh, please, it's so, so, so crazy important to me that you please leave a, a rating or a review or subscribe. So now that way, number one, the word gets out. We will only be visible in the podcast space if Apple gets the signal, so to speak, that we are worth listening to. And I think I really believe we are, and I believe we, we come with great intent, and I think we give you some really good knowledge. So if you have the opportunity to take a few minutes to leave a rating or review, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for everything and just for even giving us some of your time, and we will see you next time.